We are looking at Revelation 21, right near the end of the Bible, and I'm going to read it now. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray, would you help us now by the power of your spirit to understand and to apply your true and trustworthy words. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, today is the final part in a four-week sermon series that we've been doing on the big picture, trying to get the the big picture on this world, uh, the big picture on life, helping us to be able to see this world and this life clearly. Uh, And if you've been here over the last few weeks, you'll know that sort of the recurring image I've been using is of how when you go to the opticians and you have an eye test, uh, they stick those funny glasses on you that have got all sorts of slots in front of them. And the idea is they put all sorts of different lenses in those slots, and eventually, with a whole host of different lenses in, suddenly you can see crystal clear. Now, there are loads and loads of different lenses that we can choose to look through to understand this world. There's a whole load of different lenses. You know, we could look through the lens of materialism to look at this world and how do we live life. We could look through the lens of our Instagram feed to determine how to live life. We could look through the lens of Radio 4. I don't know. We could choose all sorts of different lenses to look through to try and work out how to see life and how to do life. But my contention has been in this sermon series that there are four lenses that all of us need to be looking through to see life clearly and correctly. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you'll know the first lens that I think we need to look through is the created lens. That there is a creator God... That you and I, we have been created and we live in a wonderful world. That's the first lens we need to look through. Then on top of that lens, we need to put in a second lens, the broken lens. And we need to look through that lens too, the broken lens, that this world is out of kilter with God. That you and I, we are out of kilter with God. And that works itself out in broken relationships in all sorts of different directions. We've got broken relationships up to God, down to this world, out with other people, and broken relationships in with ourselves. Then last week, we looked at adding the third lens, the reconciled lens. Adding that lens that because of Jesus' death, the glorious truth is that you and I, we can know the healing power of reconciliation. Above all, the healing power of reconciliation up to God that enables us to be friends with God. But that that reconciliation up to God, actually that has healing powers in terms of how it works out in our relationships with one another, reconciling those in our relationship with ourselves. But here's the problem if we are just looking through those three lenses. Here's the problem. Life is still tough. There's no getting around it. Life today 
is tough. Yes, Jesus has died for us. We know that our sins are forgiven. But still, we don't always feel like we're friends with God, do we? Sometimes that relationship feels distant. We don't always feel as we are, though we are happily united with other people. Actually, we can have disagreements and we can have difficulties in our relationships. We don't always feel inside perfect. Actually, there are times where we feel ashamed, we feel distressed, we feel depressed, we feel downbeat. And in this world, there are still struggles and accidents and illnesses. And that is why we need to look through a fourth lens too. And we need to look to the future here. This is what I'm calling the renewed lens. If you look at verse 5 in that little passage from Revelation 21, God says, I will make everything new. He says he's going to make everything new when Jesus returns. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that God will make everything new? And how does that future, that renewed future that he's talking about in this passage, how does that help you and me to look on this life in the here and now today? I mean, some people say if people, if people are sort of so focused on the future, they're so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly use. So is that true? Is it actually worth looking through a lens that is all about the future? A couple of years ago, I was um, doing a wedding here at HDC of Neil and Sarah. And they'd asked one of our children, Hope, uh, to be one of the flower girls. And a couple of years ago, Hope was two. uh, So she was quite young to be a flower girl. Uh, She was very young when you're expected to be the first one coming down the aisle, age two. uh, And to do it with these two four-year-old girls that you don't really know who they are. And uh, so before the service, Susanna and I, uh, we were with Hope. And we were trying to sort of tell Hope what she had to do. And Hope was having none of it. She was just refusing. So we sort of tried to do a few sort of dry runs in the sort of 15, 20 minutes before the wedding started. Sort of encourage her down the aisle. No way. She just refused. Uh, We said, why don't you hold hands with the four-year-olds? No way. It was an absolute nightmare. There were tears. There were tantrums. uh, Cuddles were needed. And that was just me. Um, And then Susanna came up with a brainwave. Suddenly, just a couple of minutes before the wedding was due to start, she gave me a lollipop. And she said, Hope, Daddy is going to be at the far end, right here, as the vicar is. And he's going to have a lollipop. If you walk down that aisle when the music starts, Daddy will give you the lollipop. And sure enough, the service started, and Hope, the little one in the dress on the right, walked down the aisle perfectly to me, the big one in the dress on the left. (laughs) You see, when she was wearing that lens of the future, a lollipop from Dad, then it transformed her walk down the aisle for the better, not for the worse. Now, for us, of course, it is not cheap bribery like a lollipop, because the eternal future does not depend on our performance, but on Jesus' performance. But like hope, like hope, when you and I, when we are wearing this lens on the future, then our walk down the aisle of this life, it will be for the better, not for the worse. And so what I'd love to try and do this evening, I'd love to first try and explain this, this, this lens to you, the renewed lens, to try and explain this future to you. And then I'd love to try and finish by showing you how that future lens impacts your life and my life today in the present. 
So if you go on this sheet, you will see on the back your fourth and final table. I know you've been very keen on filling these tables in, uh, in this series. And uh, you'll see on this table, we're looking at the four broken relationships and how they are ultimately renewed in the future. We're going to start with the one that we didn't focus on last Sunday, and that is the broken relationship down to the world, characterized by difficulty. What do we see in the future? As we look through the lens of this renewed future, what do we see in terms of our relationship down to the world? What we see is a new creation. A new creation. Look at verse 1 of this passage, would you? Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now, what, what is being said here is not that God is sort of throwing this world away. He's scrapping this world and he's creating a brand new one because that's not what's being said because of verse 5. It talks about renewing this creation. So more like what's happening is God is, if you like, he's stripping this earth down. He's clearing out all the junk and the grit and the grime and he's making this earth new again. He is renewing it. Some people sometimes say, you know, the eternal future, it doesn't sound very exciting. It sounds a bit boring, just sort of going on forever. But what you and I need to see is that this new creation with us as physical people in a physical place in the eternal future, the emphasis is more on the quality of life than the quantity of life. Just look, would you, at verse 4. Verse 4, it says, he, that's God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Everything that makes this life difficult in the present, it is gone. It has passed away. So that means no disease, no death, no domestic violence. It means no abuse, no attacks, no aging. It means no tsunamis, no parking tickets, no wheelchairs, no knife crime. A friend of mine tells the story of an old, how an old lady hobbled into the church where he's the vicar. And this old lady said to him, he said, she said, you don't know where I can find some new legs, do you? And my friend said, he said, no, I don't. Not in this world. Not in this world. But you'll get them in the next. Do you mind waiting? And she smiled and she said, that is worth waiting for. And the truth is, it is. That is worth waiting for. A new creation. A new creation where we will have renewed resurrection bodies. You know, the Bible, we saw it a few weeks ago, the Bible begins with the harmony of the Garden of Eden. And that harmony, it is perfectly, fully restored. In the new creation, there is perfect work, perfect relationships in a perfect environment. If you read the very final chapter, Revelation 22, you'll see it is full of all this language that comes straight from Genesis 1 and 2 in the Garden of Eden. There's a river flowing through the new creation, just as there was in Eden. There is a tree of life, just as there was in Eden. It says, no longer will there be any curse. It is a perfect, renewed creation. And that is most certainly worth waiting for. This is not some sort of eternal holiday in the sky, singing endless songs by Hillsong and Worship Central as good as they are. No, this is an eternity of perfect work and perfect rest in a perfect world which is completely renewed from top to bottom, us reigning over the earth side by side with Jesus forever. And I reckon that is worth waiting for. Secondly, how about the broken relationship out to others at the moment, characterized by disunity? We all know it. 
We have relationships that are tricky, that are difficult with other people. I wonder if it struck you as odd that this new creation, it is described as a heavenly city. It is the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. You know, when people think about a perfect place, generally people will think of some sort of rural delight far away from anyone else. You know, I think of my favorite place in all the world. It's a little farm uh, in the middle of Wales that my grandparents used to own. It's got a river running through it, and I love to go there. It is the place that I can relax more than anything anywhere else. It is just so beautiful. I can totally relax as long as the children aren't there. It is amazing. Or make it local. Think about here. What is the most idyllic spot in Clapham? I would guess that you're thinking of somewhere on the common rather than in infernos. And yet heaven is described here not as a garden, like the Garden of Eden. It's described not as a rural, idyllic place, but as a city. A city. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Why a city? Well, a city is highly relational. People are all together in community in a city. But unlike this city, this is a perfect community, one where there is no disunity, no division, no isolation, no loneliness, no violence between people. You know, the earthly Jerusalem today in Israel, apart from having one Eurovision, it may be a visual demonstration of the brokenness of this world, division between Israelis and Palestinians, where danger and discord is never far away. But the heavenly Jerusalem, that is a multiracial, multicultural society characterized by perfect relationships united under Jesus. And that's why you and I, we should be working for unity now. We should be working to love one another now, even those who are very different from ourselves, because in a sense, it is a training for the future. The church now should be reflecting this future vision. Third, what about our relationship in with ourselves? I said last week that, this, that the invitation for someone to become a Christian is not Jesus saying to us, come and be super religious. It's not that. It's Jesus saying to us, come and be human. Come and be fully human. Come and be more how God has created you to be. Now that is true. And yet you and I know that there will still be times now when we are distressed There are still times now where we feel shame. There are times now when we do feel like Adam and Eve in the garden. We want to hide. We want to cover up with those fig leaves. We still need our humanity renewed now, even if we're trusting in Jesus. And at the end of verse 2 here, we see a new humanity. We see us as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. We're covered, but we're no longer covered up in shame, but we're covered by being beautifully dressed as a bride for her husband, the Lamb, Jesus. The wedding of the Lamb between Jesus and Christians, the church. You see, in a sense, right now, before Jesus returns, if you are here and you're trusting in Jesus tonight, you're not yet married to Jesus. That will happen in the new creation. But right now, you are engaged to him. You're engaged to Jesus. 
You know, Susanna and I, we've met with um, a, a few of the many engaged couples in our church just over the last few weeks, and it's been a wonderful time. But there are actually a mixture of emotions when you're engaged. There's a real excitement about what is to come, getting married, but there's also a bit of frustration too that you're slightly in limbo land. You're not yet fully together. You know, if, you, if you're doing it God's way, you're not yet one sexually. You're not yet living together. You're not yet fully operating as a new family unit. And as Christians, we have that same mixture of excitement and frustration, just like engaged couples. Excitement about what is to come, and yet frustration. Unfulfilled desires. We wish we could be beautifully clothed. We wish we could be free from shame totally, but we're not yet. And that leads us, fourthly, to our relationship up to God. Naturally broken. But last week we saw we can be friends with God. We can be reconciled with God through Jesus' death on the cross. Do you remember um, the, the curtain in the temple? The curtain in the temple with the embroidered cherubim torn in two as Jesus died on that cross so that you and I, we have access to God, the Holy of Holies in the temple where God dwelt, now totally accessible to us because of Jesus' death. And yet we know now, now we, you and I, if we're a Christian, we are God's temple. We are God's temple now as God lives in us by his Holy Spirit. We are, that's true, but our experience of our relationship with God is not perfect. It says in the Bible, we see God now through a glass dimly. We long to know God better. And what do we discover in this eternal future? In this eternal future, we discover a new temple. We discover God physically dwelling with his people face to face. We cannot be face to face with God now. But that's what we see in the future. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. In the next chapter it says, They will see God's face. And you know, what is fascinating here is the dimensions of this heavenly city. If you were to read on Revelation 21, it goes into great detail about what are the dimensions of the heavenly city. And what we discover is this heavenly city, its dimensions, it is a perfect cube. It's a perfect cube. Just as the Holy of Holies in the temple was a perfect cube. You see, the entire heavenly city... The entire new creation, it is the Holy of Holies. We will dwell in the Holy of Holies forever. We will know God perfectly. Now, it's an amazing future vision. But here's the question. As we gather up this fourth lens, as we go, right, we have a new creation, a new Jerusalem, a new humanity, a new temple. As we gather up all those broken relationships that have been renewed, as we plot this fourth lens into our glasses alongside the other three lenses, what difference does it make? For you, for me, tonight, this coming week, at work, wherever we are, what difference does it make now? Let me suggest two things. Two ways that I reckon it improves our walk down the aisle of this life. 
Here's the first one. You can be a signpost to the future. You can be a signpost to the future. Whoever you are, whoever you are, if you don't define yourself by your past, whatever baggage we have in our past, if you don't even define yourself by who you are in the present, but rather if you define yourself by the future that we've just seen, that one day in Christ you'll be part of a new humanity and a new creation, And if you look to live now in the present, in the light of and in preparation for what one day you will be in the future, well then you and I, we will be a signpost to the future. So when you care for this world, you are pointing people towards a renewed creation which will one day be your home. When you speak out on injustice and disunity, you are pointing people to a future just world, the new Jerusalem. When you look out for the lonely and the marginalized now, you are pointing people to a world where there is only love. When you do your single life well, if you are single, you are pointing to the new creation when human marriage will be a thing of the past, when we will all be single in that sense, yet we'll be enjoying a quality of relationships with one another that is deeper, that is better than any relationship we can experience here on earth. When you do your married life well, if you're married... You are pointing to that marriage to the Lamb that we all need far more than any human marriage here on earth. When you live now with joy, even in a time of suffering and struggle, you are pointing people to a world of joy when we will be face to face with Jesus, with resurrection bodies and a renewed creation. Every time you or I live now in the light of the future, we will be being a signpost to others of that future. You see, we are people of the future. We are people of the future who live in the present. Remember Paul's words? He said, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. They're a new creation. So, A new creation, in a sense, is here now. New creation, if you like, it is springing up through the cracks in the floor, and it starts with you and me. And the hope is that if we live like this, people will sit up, they will take notice of the future that is breaking in in the present, and they will want to know how they can be a part of that future too. And so second, you can be, I can be, not just a signpost to the future, but you can be a signpost to Jesus too. You see, the last couple of the chapters of the Bible, they are very clear, as is the whole Bible. Not everyone will be in this new creation. The hard reality is that there are two eternal destinies. Now, it's not something that's particularly pleasant to talk about, and there isn't time to do so with justice now. But if you want to think more about it, you can go online and on our website. that I've done a talk at the Lent Discipleship School a couple of months ago on exactly this issue. But, you know, this is why. This is why we can be signposts to Jesus for other people now. Because of this wonderful future. And yet there are two eternal destinies. There is nothing more important than for people to turn to Jesus now. And so we should be telling people about Jesus now because we want to see them in the new creation then. There is nothing more wonderful for them to behold. Let me finish with Revelation 22, verse 17. It says this. 
the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. That's John, the writer of Revelation, saying, come, Lord Jesus. That's about being a signpost to to the future. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. That's desiring the eternal, glorious, renewed future to come. Please come, Jesus, so that this reality might happen as you return. But then John continues. He says, come again. Look at what he says this time. He says, let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And that is not saying, come Lord Jesus. That is saying, come to Jesus. To Jesus, the one who gives us this free water of life as we come to him. And you and I, Just like John himself, as he writes these words, we can be signposts to Jesus as well as signposts to the future. And we can do that if we are living life now, looking through those four lenses. Shall we stand? Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you. We thank you. We are in awe of that future. The wonder of no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things passed away. We thank you that all those broken relationships, that they will be renewed by you. And Lord, our prayer tonight, it is a simple prayer that we might see clearly. Lord God, would you help each one of us to see this world clearly? Would you help each one of us to see life clearly and would you help each one of us to see you clearly and just if you're here this evening and you want to be used by Jesus as a signpost a signpost to that amazing future and a signpost to Jesus. Just as a way of, of sort of responding where we are, I'm just going to ask you, uh, watch out for the people next to you, but just to, to put out your hands like a signpost. Just as a way of saying, I want to be that signpost, pointing in two directions. Just to put your hands out and say, Jesus, I want that. I want to be a signpost to the future And I want to be a signpost to you. Please, by the power of your Spirit, help me to be that signpost. Help me in how I live. Help me in how I speak. Help me in all that I am. 
Help me in my work. Help me in my relationships. Help me in the street that I live. Help me in all this to be a signpost to the future and to you, Lord Jesus. And thank you that there is nothing more wonderful than to know you and to know that glorious future. And we praise you for your love and your grace shown to us.